Rabbi a good morning, a good Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vayichi. Vayichi, the last Parsha of Sefer Bereshis, Vayichi, which uh, this year we're finding ourselves in the middle of Tevis, the month of Tevis. And Vayichi um, is the Parsha which we're going to talk about, as we always try to do. Uh, we're going to try to get Chizuk and hopefully... It will give us inspiration for ourselves wherever we are. In the middle of uh, of the, as we said in the podcast this week, we're in the middle of the dark, the darkest times, the the shortest Shabbosus, the long Shabbos nights, the 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 cold, the snow, the floods, and 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 we ourselves, we see clearly that there's. Um, there's so many things which happen in life and we have to try to get them into the proper perspective. So I'd like to say, just start off by saying that this podcast should be Le'il Nishmas, a young boy who passed away last Shabbos, very, very tragically, the son of a Talmud of ours who teaches in the yeshiva in the morning, Ben Alpert's son, Yosef Shalom, who passed away in a very, very tragic way. It's just a, a severe virus that came on and it just without them being able to even take stock. Before they knew it, they had to go to the hospital, and he passed away very, very suddenly. A beautiful, beautiful eight-year-old boy. And just on the Thursday night before that, we had a Achnasa Sefer Torah, Ben was dancing with his son. The next day he was at the uh, Cheder, he was learning in the Cheder, started not feeling well in the afternoon. And then unfortunately he passed away at a Matzah Shabbos, Pissed me on Shabbos Kaidish Parshas Vayigash, and then on Matzah Shabbos there was a really a heart wrenching Levaya, only way to describe it. So, all we can say is that we want to give our wishes for Nechama, and we want to try to do everything we can that this particular Devar should be Le'ila Nishmasim. I think it's very apropos because the Parsha begins with the fact that Parshas Vayichi is a Parsha Stuma, as Rashi points out. Last week I was I had an aliyah, which was the haftorah, and I had I saw on the sefer Torah that was very very it's it, it, it's written black and white so to speak. Parshas vayigash and parshas vayichi are literally put together. There's no separation, which usually you find between two parshias. And Rashi points out to teach us that um, the hearts and the and the and the eyes of Klai Yisrael began to get stuffed up from the Tzaras HaShibud, when Yaakov Avinu dies. And everyone raises the question, first of all, that we know that Chazal say that um, as long as one of the Shvatim was around, then there was no Tzaras HaShibud. So what's Rashi saying? That Tzaras HaShibud began when Yaakov Avinu died. So the classic answer we usually try to say is, is that there's two aspects of the Golis. There's the physical aspect of the Golis, and then there's the spiritual aspect of the Golis. As far as the physical aspect of the Golos, the actual subjugation, that only took place when the last of the Shvatim, they passed away. As long as there was a Shevet that was around, then it wasn't possible for the Egyptian Golos to physically enslave the Jewish people. And that is really what happens when the Shvatim die. Just to speak about just a line that I, I saw this week that, that the Chazanish said on Rebarch Ber. The great Rebarch Ber, the Rashiva of, of um, Kamnetz Yeshiva, the great Talmud of, of, um, 
of Reb Chaim Brisker, and they say that when Reb, when the when the Baruch Bear and Reb Shimon Shkup passed away, that's when the Germans began their onslaught against Poland. But until that time, their Kayach did not allow the actual physical onslaught to take place. Their Kayach was so strong. Again, it's hard for us to understand that, but that's really what the Chazanu said. As long as Yaakov, as long as the Shvatim were around, the physical onslaught couldn't take place. But even before that time, the spiritual demise, that began already to sink in, and it created uh, a separation. When Yaakov Avinu dies already, Yaakov Avinu, who was the the Yisrael Saba, the one that we've all followed, we all listened to, when he was around, so then the Jewish people, they all kept the Mesorah the way it was supposed to be kept. But when Yaakov Avinu passed away, then all of a sudden things began to, to, to slowly we began to, infiltrate into the ways of the Egyptians, and even it says, Lashin al-Shmam, Lashayinam but already they began to look at things from an Egyptian Egyptian cultural outlook. And that's a lesson for us as well. So we tried to get through the Golas to recognize that we, that the Tzaris Hashiva begins when we are separated from our grandfathers, from the Yaakov Yisrael Saba. As long as Yaakov Avinu was around, the Torah Sashiva didn't start. That's one Mahalach. I saw that Rav Schwab's itself says a little bit of a different Mahalach. It says if you analyze the Psukim later on, you see clearly that after Yaakov Avinu dies, Yosef sends Shluchim to try to influence Pyro that he should be able to take his father back to Egypt. Because we know that, excuse me, back to, to, to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, the question is, why did Yosef have to have Shluchim to go to Paro? Yosef was the Shalit, Yosef was second in command. Then Lechaira, he should have actually gone in himself. It says, Yosef al base Paro. All of a sudden, the base Paro. What's he speaking to the base Paro? He asked him, Perik Nun Pasuk Dalit. Please go speak on my behalf. So, Rav Shabbos Hatzal says, over here again, we see the Ashkach Pratius that as long as Yaakov was around, so the status of Yosef was the Mishnah Lomelech. He was the second in command. As soon as Yaakov died, then all of a sudden things began to change. Now Yosef was so-called demoted. Power didn't need him anymore. Now that the Jews were there in the country, I guess the economy was moving forward, and he didn't necessarily feel that Yosef has to be in charge of everything. Things began to go back to the regular way. The Egyptians began to become, they became the second in commands, and Yosef was demoted, so to speak, without it even becoming public knowledge to a lesser status. He was still considered a higher-up person, he was con- still considered a person of influence, but he didn't have that broad-based influence which he had before. And therefore, he had to call upon others to go. He had to call on the base pyro back to the regular situation. And I think that that's another terence, that the Shibut began, not necessarily, this is not necessarily the, the spiritual and physical, this has to do with the physical aspect. 
even in the physical aspect, now Yosef is not on the same le- on the same level. The truth is, if you follow history, you see that this is really what happened throughout the Gaulas, throughout the exiles. Always were situations when the Jews became prominent members of the government, and they began to think that we're really part and parcel of the of the whole situation here, and we have equal rights. We're on top. We have someone in the White House. We have someone that's high up in Congress. And we don't realize in the end of the day, the halachi Esav, son of Yaakov, and sometimes the only way we can influence is only by having other people do the bidding for us. We have to have what's called shtadlanus. That happened in the times of the Barbanel in Portugal. And unfortunately, it happened in Germany for so many, so many years. The Jews were prominent members of the government, prominent members of society. And when Hitler, Yomach Shmovitz, got in, all of a sudden things stopped very, very rapidly. In the same fashion, we could take a look at our own world today to see, the, we don't have to necessarily point out fingers, but Russia, it's no question, it's not a, situ, not a simple situation for Jews there. There are even great rabbanim today that say that the Jews that are there should try to leave because they're very, very afraid that the Jews will become the scapegoat as they have been in the past. And the same fashion, we don't pray, we know that happens, it should happen anywhere. But even in mighty America, where the Jews our Jewish brethren, where we all come from, and we all pray for the salvation and the, the, the good standing of Jews. But we have to recognize we are just sojourners in the land, and we never, ever should trust put trust just in the government. We have to have trust in who? Only in the Rebbe As it says in the dollar bill, in God we trust. That's the only thing we can truly have. We can truly have trust. Okay, so we have this aspect. I want to break off for a second and speak about uh, one little, uh, again, we're going to zero in at the beginning of the parasha this year. It says, And already the Balaturim points out that the 17 years, were the last 17 years that he was there, and 17 is the same gematria as Taif. There was no better years for Yaakov Avinu than the 17 years that he was together with Yosef, the Vayechi, is Big Matthew 34. That has to do with the 13 years that Yosef had in the original 13 years when he was born until he became 17. And then he was sold down by his brothers. And now the last 17 years of Yaakov's life together with Yosef, those 34 years. But these years were years that were outside. It was years that were filled with what? With um, the, the best part of Yaakov's life. He's reunited with Yosef. He's reunited. All the brothers are there. And this gave tremendous chiyus to Yaakov Avinu. And then the Pasuk says, may Yaakov shnei chayov sheva shonim varbonim It says that he was 147 years. I saw that the Yester Chaim Kanievsky, that over here it says, sheva shonim varbonim It only says the words shana twice. While we find, by Yisara Imenu, it says that she was Sheva Shonim Ve'esrim Shona Umeya Shona. So it says Shona three times. Over here it says only twice. So Reb Chaim said very simply. That's because if you remember the Chazal over there, Rashi points out that she was just, just like when she was 100, she was just like she was 20 as far as the fact that she didn't do any sins. When she was 20, she was like seven as the concept of Yofi, the concept of beauty, that she had an innocent beauty beauty at 20, just like she had an innocent beauty when she was seven. So Reb Chaim says, 
Over there, you have to say the Shana three times because you want to explain the connection between the Belichet of 100 to 20, and you want to explain the Yaifi, the 20 to the 7. But, but that's only by women, because women, there's the, the importance of Yofi is very, very important. But by men, Yofi is not necessarily an attribute. And therefore, it only says it twice. It just says, Lagabe, the Indian of Chet. The hundred compared to what? To the, to the less, to the Shevashanim. To just like Shevashanim was without Chet, so the Ma'ashanim was also without Chet. That's what Reb Chaim answered. And then everyone asked quickly, they asked Reb Chaim, which left the Tzorch Beer, that we do find by Avram Avinu that he had, it says over there, it says in that Pasik that he had 175 years. Over there it says, and back in, in Parshish Chayusara, Ve'el Yemei Shnei Chay Avram, Asher Choy Ma'ash Shana, V'shivim Shana, V'chomesh Shana. So over there it does say, a hundred and, 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 and seventy-five, and it says it three times. So the Cheshman of, and of there, Rashi just points out, he doesn't really speak about why you have three times, he just says the Ben Kuf was Keben Ayin Lekayach. Ah, uh, there's something else. There you have a Girsa Lekayach, Ruben Ayin Keben Chof Belochet. That's something that we should take a look at. I was bothered by a different cash when I learned this expression. And I, truth is, I pointed out to a friend of mine, and we said, I have a shtickle mahalach, and I want to try to get into it a little bit more. Over here, the Torah says that it speaks about Yaakov Avinu's years of his life. And then it says, And it says that the days, his days became coming to the end of death. And he calls Yosef, and he makes him, give him a promise that he's going to take, not, he doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to be buried where? He wants to be buried in Eretz Yisrael together with his forefathers. So I was bothered that if you take a look at the other times when it speaks in the Torah about the lifespan of people, it always says it immediately before their death. Like in Parshas Chayasara, which we just mentioned, it says, these are the years of Avram Avinu, this amount of years, this amount of years, and then he got up, he got up and he died. Also by Yitzchak Avinu, it also says the same thing immediately before his death. It says, Vayomas. But over here, Yaakov Avinu continues to live. He doesn't die right away. It's Yikru. But we know that he didn't die right away. He, he, was, he, he thought that he was going to die. That's what he said. And then afterwards, he calls Yosef, and Yosef brings Ephraim and Menashe. Why does it say the years of his death? It should have waited until the end of the parasha, right before he dies. These are the years of Yaakov Avinu. After he gives the brachas to all the all the brothers, and it should say that, like it says later on, that Yaakov Avinu Taka died. So why doesn't it say right before him? This is a shtickle kasha. I didn't see anyone that speaks about this kasha. So I thought that this has to do with the fact that in this week's parasha we see that when Yaakov Avinu Taka dies, it never really says that he dies. Uh, and the Chazal already point out the Gemara Taina says. It never really says that Yaakov dies, right? It just says Vayigva Vayosef El Amov. He just was like he like put his his legs together, and Rashi points out He never really died, so Yaakov Avinu is still living, so to speak. So it could be number one Al Pider It's not Shaykh for us to say the end of his days because Yaakov Avinu really never dies. So therefore, we say it. 
in the element of when he's still alive, because he's it's really being miramas to this thing that Yaakov Avinu is still alive. It's a great message for all of us. Because Chazal say, when do we say that ya- why is Yaakov Avinu alive? Mazara Bachayim Af Yaakov Bachayim. Yaakov Avinu is the Bechir of us. All of Yaakov Avinu's children, they represent the cont- continuity of Yaakov Avinu's life. Yaakov Avinu's life remained the same even after he dies. That's really, a, that's really an answer to give it to the Kasha, the very famous Kasha, that the Pusik says over here, um, the Pusik says at the beginning of the parasha, let's go back to the beginning of the parasha, it says, the Shachafti Mavoisai, he says, I'm going to lie with my fathers. The Sasani Mitzrayim, take me up to Mitzrayim, Ukvartani Bukfurosam, and then you should bury me in the what? In the burial place, which is in the Mar- in the Marasamach Pela. So first of all, this the lush of the pasuk is very very strange. V'shachafti mevaisai unasasani mitzrayim ukvartani ukvrosim. She said unasasani mitzrayim. Take me out of mitzrayim. V'shachafti mevaisai ukvartani ukvrosim. And I'll, I'm going to lay with my fathers. What is it? Nasani mitzrayim right before that. The second kash is. What do we have to say? Two things. V'shachafti mevaisai ukvartani ukvrosim. It should just say unasasani mitzrayim. So I saw brought down uh, from the Rebbe of Herschel. The Rebbe of Herschel says a terrorist, which we might have said in the past, that Yaakov Avinu Lomais, that really there's a kasha. The kasha is, the halacha is, you're not supposed to bury tzaddikim together with Rishoyim. So, and he brings down that this doesn't only apply to tzaddikim and Rishoyim, but if you have a tzaddik gomor, a tzaddik gomer has to be buried together with other tzaddikim gemurim. He shouldn't be buried together with tzaddikim she'enim gemurim. Because to a certain bechina, it's like a bechina of klape, the tzaddik gomer, it's considered like a rasha. So the kasha is, how could Yaakov Avinu be buried with the avos? We know that Yaakov Avinu was the bechir shebavos. He, he was the highest of the avos. So the, to a certain extent, Yaakov Avinu is even greater then Avram Yitzchak, again, we can't make that cheshman, but that's the cheshman that the Rebbe Lebershla makes. He says that he was even greater. So how could he be buried with them? He says such a galadic alumnus. The answer is like this. It said tzaddikim are, are greater in their death even more than when they're alive. Tzaddikim b'mishasim are yoysim So he says, therefore, that Yaakov, Avinu, while he was alive, since he was still alive, he was buried, so to speak, alive. He was laying together with his forefathers when he was alive. His forefathers, Avram and Yitzchok, they already were greater than him at that point because they already were mace. And it says, Sadiqim and Misosom are Yosem and Mechayim. So therefore, he was allowed to be so called buried with them as far as laying down with them. And afterwards, it says, Ukvartan and Mikrosom. So therefore, that's, that's what's hinted of here. I'm going to lay there. And it says, The main thing, take me out of Mitzrayim. But it's two separate things. I'm laying there, but I'm still in the Bechinus of Yaakov Inulomais. And therefore, after he dies, after he was laying there, and now he already was in that burial place, he can be buried, and now he's going to go up and he's going to get to the highest level. But the Kvura was done in a way that it shouldn't be over the problem of a Tzadik Gomer being buried with a Tzadik Sheinu Gomer. That's just a very interesting Chasidish uh, Elam that we can say Pshat in the parasha.
We want to bring out two, two, two other points over here, which I think are very, very important. They're very, very crucial for us. As we speak about the concept of Yaakov Avinu Lomais, which is really a message for all of us, that uh, when we have this connection with our, with our children and they recognize where they're coming from, then the forefather is still alive. So the, um, the Golas and the Shibut of the Golas, these are things which are a major part of our lives. And we see we're living in the Golas, we're living in the Golas, and the Golas is every aspect of life. It says, The days of, 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 of Yisrael came close to his death. And um, the Zayar HaKadosh points out, Happy is the person that comes to the, bez- to, the, to the heavens with all of his days. Like it says, They came together with their days. Their days were complete days. Yaakov Avinu, when he came to the Rabbani Shalom, he came together with the complete days, all of his days. So there was a, a younger man that asked Reb Chaim Kanievsky, how is it possible that you're, 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 you're able to have so many people come to you during the day? It's like, it's like impossible. And we once made a cheshman about how many people actually came to Reb Chaim during his lifetime. Just the last 20 years, it was over a million and a half people, <coughs> just beyond understanding. So Reb Chaim said a very simple thing. <coughs> he says, how many... <coughs> How many minutes are in an hour? 60. How many seconds are in an hour? He says, they said 60. He says, so how many seconds, how many seconds are there uh, in an hour? <laughs> he says, the husband is over 3,600. He says, 3,600 seconds? Do you know what a person can accomplish in 3,600 seconds? The tzaddikim, Rabbi Zai, each moment, each second of their lives is something which is important. And they try their utmost to use <coughs> those seconds to the highest level. And I mentioned this week there was a Yid, it was the 50th yard side of Rabdova Krongla, the great Mashiach of Baltimore. I was as a young boy to get so much inspiration from and so much, how would I say it, Derech uh, Hachayim in life. And in the podcast, which we spoke about, Reb Dov and I spoke a lot of the stories. So, but I just want to bring up one thing. I heard that the great Talmud of his, Reb Naftali Kaplan, said that one of the great things about Reb David was is that he was a complete masmid and he completely, completely dedicated his life to using it to the fullest. In fact, there was once a bacher in the yeshiva that asked another Talmud youth, was Reb David, Reb David used to go around waking up the Bachar in the morning. And it seems that he, they asked him if, you know, the, the Bachar didn't think that he came into his room to wake him up. He said, did, did Reb David come around? He says, yes, Reb David came around. Reb David went to davening? Yes, Reb David, by, so the person didn't answer. Just went to the window and he pulled up, pulled up the shade and he told the person, you see the sun over here? He says, just like the sun rose, that's the way Reb David, that's the way Reb David went to davening. Reb David never missed a davening. Reb David never missed a shear. He gave shearim six days a week, two hours shearim to the very, very high level shearim, and one hour on Arab Shabbos. He gave shmuzin. He was in the base medrash. He was miyayitz bacharim. Every single moment was dedicated for Torah and Avaida. And 
he had a tremendous influence upon people. He once was giving a shmuz, and he said, Miyomai, from the time that he was Ayman al Daiti, the time he was a young boy, he never ever missed Zman Kriyashma according to the Mogan Avram. And at that moment, and they, this is recorded, all of a sudden in Nerysol in Baltimore, all of a sudden there was tremendous thunder claps that broke out. And the Talmudim that were in the yeshiva at that time, they said clearly, they saw this was a simim and a shemayim, that the shemayim was saying, Edus was saying testimony on Reb David, that what he said was actually accurate. It wasn't, a, it wasn't bravado, it wasn't gaiva. The, 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 the tzaddik has the ability, tzaddik gaiva, kodesh baruch mekayim. Ah! Reb David, there was another Reb David, his name was Reb David Karliner. I saw this gavaldikamaisa this morning, that one of the Talmudim of, uh, one of the grandsons of Reb Chaim Kanievsky said over that he was once by him and Reb Chaim was, got up and was going to go back, was going to go finally to go to sleep. And Reb Chaim had the schedule of sleeping for a very short time and he got up to go to go to sleep and then he came back into the room and he said, where was the other Enochal that was here? So there was another Enochal that had come to learn with him. So he said, he, will, after, he said, go call him. So he came back and he asked that other Enochal to come. He wanted to tell him a story. And he said that a Yid that lived in Tzfas had told him that he uh, had heard from a, a Yid that was a Meshulach that used to go to Chutzlaretz to Europe in those days. And he used to raise money for the Yishuv in Tzfas or in Eretz Yisrael. And he went to the famous Reb David Karliner. And Reb David Karliner was the masman of the generation, was the Bucky of the generation. And he came into him, and when he came into him, he saw that Reb David was learning, and he waited on the side, and after a little bit of time, Reb David lifted up his head, and he said, what do you want? So he says, I'm a Meshulach from Eretz Yisrael, and I came to raise money for Yeshiva. Reb David took out money, and he gave him, and then he quickly turned back to his learning. The Meshulach, who I guess was a Chashver person as well, was this Nispal from Reb David's Hasmada, this great Zaken Muflug, and he just wanted to watch. So he was just standing on the side, and he couldn't get over. David Mamer sitting there and learning. After a while, Reb David again lifted up his head, and he said, what do you want? So he says, I'm a Meshulach from the Yeshiva. So Reb David wanted to give him money. He says, no, 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 you already gave me. He was not a Meshulach. <laughs> he wasn't some Meshulach. He was not his Meshulach. So Reb David, okay, he gave him, so he went back to learning. And then, he again looked and he stared. He couldn't imagine that the concentration that David had on his learning. After a little bit of time, again, Rav lifted up his face. Again, he said to him, what do you want? So he said, I'm the same thing, I'm the Meshulach. So Rav David immediately went back to his learning. And the fourth time when it happened, Rav David just didn't feel comfortable. He didn't like the fact that the person was like looking at him. And he said to him, I want to tell you something. And he started almost crying. Excuse me, Rav Chaim Kanievsky cried when he heard this. He said, when I'm, the fact that I'm older right now, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea what's going on. I go to eat, and I don't remember why I'm going to go to eat. I, didn't, I, don't, I forget that I'm going to go to eat. I come to get up to get a safer, and I don't remember which safer I really want. Because old age, old age has crept, crept in. But there's one thing that I have. Shas, the same shas that I learned and that I knew from the time I was 16 years old, that I have not forgotten. And this uh, was a lesson that the, 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 
the Meshulach was so dispoiled from this that on the rest of his trip he ended up going to Radin and he went to the Chafetz Chaim and the Chafetz Chaim said, who are you by? Which Gedolim says, by David Kalina, tell me something out of David Kalina. And he told him over the story. And the Chafetz Chaim was so dispoiled from the story. The usage of time of Rabbi David Kalina, that when Rabbi David Kalina passed away, this Meshulach was called by the Chafetz Chaim to Radin and the Chafetz Chaim said, I want you to say over the story about what you saw by Rabbi David Kalina. Rabbi said, Why? Because every single second was taken with him. Rabbi said, there's another aspect we want to speak about, and that is the bitter regalos, the tzorus of the prat, the tzorus of the klal. And there's no question, when we're in the chayshech, it looks like there's darkness. The parishes of parishes tuma, as we are fond of saying over from my dear aunt, she should be stark, Aunt Millie, that this is really a lesson for the Jewish people. The Jewish people are parishes tuma. We're a parishes tuma. How do we live? How do we exist? How did we get to this point? Why is it that we are alive and the rest of the nations are tumbled down? There's no more Rome. There's no more Spain. There's no more English uh, empire. All goes down to the ends. But the Jewish people, you should know the defense, the new defense minister of Israel, who's not a religious Jew, he gave his opening speech this week and he said, even though I'm not religious, but I know that the only reason why we're alive is because of the Messiah of Klal Yisrael. He says, what kept the Jewish people throughout the Golas? It was the Rabbanim. It was the connection to the Torah. It was the Beit Knesset. It was the Tfilis. This is a person that doesn't wear a yarmulke. But he said, he understands this is really, and the only way we can really look at it is, is that HaKadosh Baruch was watching over us. I saw Gavald Gavart and the Lekech Falibut. The parish is the parish of Golis, the Shibut of Golis. And in the midst of it, we have, as we say, it's Vayechi. This is where Yaakov Avinu is living. The Nistimu Eileim Veliban Shah Yisrael has to do with the words Golis, which is Goal, and this is really from the morale, and which is Gula, and then there's Golus, which is Gola, which is with a hay. They're really the same. Gola and Goal, Gimel and the Lamed, one has a hay and one has the Aleph. Zuck the Helika morale, that the hay represents two aspects. Number one is it's really a Dalid with a little point inside which creates the last leg which creates the hay. So what it really is, the Dalit represents the Dalit Ruchas. It represents the Pizur of Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael's and Golas were in the Dalit Tzudadim. The hay represents, that little point of there, it represents the Pintel, which is really the Pnimius. In midst of the Golas, there is the Rabbeinu Shalom. Geula is the Gimel and the Lamed with the Aleph. The Aleph represents Aluf Shalom. It represents the head of Claudius, the head, which is really the Rabbi Shalom. And it's telling us like this, even in the midst of the Hester, in the midst of the Dalit Ruchas, in the midst where we're separated, but there is a connection through the Achtus of Claudius The Achtus of Claudius is the fact that we're connected to the Alufa Shalom. And in another place, the Moral says something which is even more fascinating. He says, the ice hay is really the only letter which is separate. The little point 
at the bottom of the hay on the left-hand side is separate. All the other letters, they're all connected to each other. And that's on one hand what the hay represents. The aleph is all one inter- intermingled uh, item. But we see that the aleph, when we pronounce it, it's two different letters. The aleph is the aleph and the lamed and the pei. Okay? Aleph. The hay is all one breath. It doesn't have any separations. And what it's showing is, is like this. Even when we're in the midst of the galus, and we think that we're separate, but still, there's an achdus. The hay represents the fact that we're all together. The aleph, on the other hand, the gal, right, is also a separation. The hay is called a Lushan kalila, because it has the shituf of pirut, as we said before, of the dalit, of the dalit ruchas, and has the achdus of the way we pronounce it. It shows that even in the midst of the galus, when Klai Yisrael was separated, but when we're gathered together, the Nakuda Panimius is what joins us all together. And this is what we have to rep- this is what we have to recognize. In the midst of the Golos, a person recognizes everything's Mahester. Things are hidden. We don't fully understand everything. How does everything work? Why is it that young people pass away? Why is it that the Rishoyim seem to be having it good at certain points? But we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Afilo Bahastara, the Rebbeinu is with us. I think the final message, we want to put it into the headlines, is Yaakov Avinu Lomais. Yaakov Avinu is the stima of the, in the midst of the Golos, Yaakov Avinu is still alive. And I think with this, we can really answer up the question which I said before. Why is it that Yaakov Avinu, his life is mentioned even before he dies? Because Yaakov Avinu, his life, represents all of those different connections, those seconds, those moments, of what everything that Klai Yisrael does in order to connect ourselves with the Aluf Shalolim, in the midst of the, the, the period, we still have the Achdus of the Hay. And we give a bracha to everybody that this Shabbos, Parshish Vayechi, we will end off with the famous words, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazak. We'll recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what connects us, the Torah is what connects us, the Rabbanu Shem should give bracha, should give nechama, Wishing B'zachim Ritz Hashem to the Gula Shlema, wishing everyone a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, it would be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.